0: along the lines with God, it is possible. Would you say that? With God, it is possible. Now we're talking about the subject matter of peacemakers, so let's see what Jesus had to say. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5 and verse 9, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And then in Romans chapter 12 and verse 18, the apostle writes, Unto the church, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live at peace with all men. So there are certain things that we know are impossible for us to do, but not with the Lord. With the Lord, there's always possibilities. There's always a probability that something that looks Unreconcilable can be reconciled. Something that is broken can be mended. Something that is bruised can be made whole. And that is the possibility I want to talk to you about this morning. The possibility of God being so involved in a situation that you and I begin to see the possibilities with God. And we get our eyes off the impossibility of the circumstances and we see it is possible. There's a probability, there's a better than average chance that with God it's going to happen. The promise is going to come to pass. The peace is going to come. The reconciliation is going to take place. The wayward child is going to come home. The addict is going to get free. The broken relationship and marriage can be restored. We can see the possibility because of God. We can see the impossibilities because of our natural senses and our logical mind can't fathom how some things that are so messed up can be made right. But this is where God comes in to the midst of the world that he loves so much and he brings a possible scenario to every situation. He does bring a possible scenario. And so being peacemakers, I want to state this is both rewarding and risky and with men it is not possible, but with God, it is. Jesus clearly states in Matthew's gospel that in order for us to be blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied and to be called or identified as his sons and daughters, we must be about the work of peacemaking. Some common misconceptions about peacemaking are that it is the absence of conflict, the avoidance of Of the obvious barriers or the walls that have been constructed between two individuals. Or the appeasement to accommodate everyone's desires. I think we all understand and have lived long enough to know that we can't always please everyone in every circumstance. But we can go about our life as peacemakers endeavoring to please God. And in doing so we maintain the peace that he has given unto us. So what is a peacemaker? A peacemaker is a compound word. Peace comes from the word shalom. It is a big and broad word in scripture. It means someone who is committed to the path and the process of the overall health, prosperity, harmony and wholeness of another. It takes a committed individual to a path that they're willing to walk on and a process they're willing to go through in order To see the will of God accomplished. The word peace also means that when we confer or we announce peace upon those that are at odds. We are compelling them to reposition themselves relationally. According to the pattern in which God created. We are beseeching them on behalf of the Lord himself to be reconciled. Thus the phrase, nothing missing, nothing broken, has been used to summarize the word peace. But there's a process and a path that someone has to be willing to go on so that things are not broken and not missing. In order to be at peace, I believe that each and every one of us first need to understand and admit that something is missing and something is broken in our life. It's the only way that that which is missing can be restored and that which is broken can be rebuilt. The word maker means to do, to make, or to create. It is a word that's full of life. It is denoting an individual who is working at making peace, who will initiate conversations. They'll talk about the 800-pound elephant in the room. They will stay on God's side while actively working to reconcile others. They have purpose to exercise and to display patience with wisdom regarding the time and the place of every conversation. When you put these two words together, it gives us a really clear definition and understanding that this is not something that's passive. It's something that's very proactive It's something that God's desires for each and every human being to experience without exception. Peacemakers are rooted in God's form of justice and righteousness. And in today's culture and in today's narrative in our culture, there is a lot of outcries because of justice issues or righteousness issues. But we have to make sure that we are fighting the right fight, not the cultural fight. But the fight for the kingdom and the fight for the ways of the kingdom, for the purposes of the kingdom and doing it in a way that it's pleasing unto the king of our kingdom, Jesus Christ. There will always be people that have individual axes to grind. That will always be a part of the world that we live in. But you and I have to ask ourselves as sons and daughters of God as peacemakers, as reconcilers, as mediators, what our part to play in every conversation or every relationship is. What placement are we in that relationship? What purpose is that placement been given unto us? What is the plan for that relationship? What is God's will for that relationship? And then we can act with wisdom and prudence and we can exercise patience in the process. The path is one that we have to be committed to walk on. The road is not always well traveled. It's not a comfortable road. Very time in many, many situations. It's a very it's a road that almost feels like you're walking on eggshells. What do I say? When do I say it? Should I say it? When all of the questions that come to our mind. And yet the very fact that we ask ourselves those questions shows us that something is missing and something is broken and something is going on that we are frustrated by, angered by, offended by, that we're put off by. Sometimes it becomes so personal that our anger escalates and our pride overtakes us and we try to get in and fix somebody apart from the Holy Spirit. We try to assert our will on other people. We try to demand behavior from them that they're not even understanding that they're capable of. And because of that, we create more friction. It causes more faction. So once again, there is a path, but there is also a process. These are all important facets if we're going to understand what Jesus is saying when he calls us to be peacemakers. When Jesus stated peacemakers would be called or identified as sons and daughters. He is saying that they are not mere children. The term sons of God is not just a gender issue. It's not just talking to the men. It's talking to the sons and daughters of God. But sons and daughters of God are those who have exercised their spiritual senses and have matured, and have discernment between good and evil. They are not children. They are not novices. They are not immature. When Jesus said that peacemakers would be called, identified as sons and daughters, he's saying that they have grown to a place in their spiritual stature, that they recognize their place at a table as mediators. They understand their role. They're not so caught up with the subjective issue or subject matter. They can separate the emotion from what's happening. Can I get a witness? When it gets too personal, it gets too emotional. And when it gets too emotional, we are not going to make good decisions. Our emotions are going to lead and we're going to forget the principle and we're going to forget the process And we're going to ask other people to take up our banner that they're not called to take up. We're going to ask other people to get into a fight where they don't have a dog in that fight. And then if they don't, we're going to get mad at them because it's become subjective. We think that our battle should be everybody's battle. But we have to identify our own battles in life. We have to understand our jurisdiction, our placement, our role. And in doing so, we are going to get much better results. We're not going to be burning the candle at both ends. We're not going to live our life as men-pleasers. We're going to begin to mature and we're going to come out of that childish state of always wanting what we want, when we want it, the way we want it. And that includes the way that we interact and communicate with our Creator. If he doesn't do what we want him to do, when we believe he should do it, children get mad. Take their ball and go home. Take their toys and don't share. But not with sons and daughters. Sons and daughters understand their rightful place, their inheritance. They're established. They're rooted. They're grounded. It doesn't mean that they've got it all figured out, but they have enough of life underneath their legs that they're able to understand no and yes. Are you with me? When Jesus is making this statement, blessed are the peacemakers, we think of people just sitting down having a cup of coffee. Somehow the coffee will soothe the conversation, and by the time we've had our cup of Joe and spoken, about the matter that all things would be made right. But a peacemaker knows that that's not realistic. That's idealistic. It's not realistic. Because in order for something to be missing and something to be broken in someone's life, it means that there's been a path and a process of loss and pain and woundedness that they've been on for a while. And so, Sometimes it takes a while to get things back in place. The damage can be done, but it can be restored. With God, it is possible. With men, it is not, but with God, it is. Peacemakers are those that were once lost, blind, and enemies of God, but are now found, have sight, And are at peace with God. They have experienced the shalom of God themselves. That's what makes them qualified to be peacemakers. They're not perfect people. They're people who have been touched by a perfect God. They're people that have seen the missing and the broken parts of their life. Mended and restored. They understand that God is not sending them out. Apart from experiencing his shalom in their life. Throughout Scripture, there are people that made peace with others so that they could be at peace with God. I'm going to give you one example and I'm going to continue to move because I feel like my responsibility is to paint as broad of a picture as possible this morning and allow God to fill in the details. But to just give you an idea... Of the commitment that someone has to make to a path and to a process. I want you to think about an individual in scripture in the New Testament named Barnabas. Barnabas was a man who sold everything that he had in Acts chapter 4. And brought it to the early church so that needs of others could be met. He got the nickname son of encouragement. His proper name was Joseph He was from Cyrene. He wasn't a Jew by birth. He was a proselyte, which means he converted over to Judaism because of his understanding that there was one God, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And he was willing to leave his foreign gods and to be aligned with the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He was a man who was a teacher He was a prophet and he became an apostle. He was part of the early church. The founding fathers, he's named among them in church history. Before Saul of Tarsus was ever on the scene for Christendom, there was a Barnabas. Barnabas went from a childhood state to a state of becoming a son of God. One who would represent the father In the proper light. And then. When Saul of Tarsus. Was converted on the road to Damascus. God sent. Barnabas to him. Barnabas was sent for a. Very specific purpose and that was. To help Paul be at peace. With God. To help him to understand. The battle that he was facing is the battle that everyone faces. And the only way. That he was going to have peace in his life was when he came to peace through Jesus Christ. He reconciled him to the church at Jerusalem. He traveled with him and on his missionary journeys. He sat with him at the conference tables at the first conflicts of the church in Acts chapter 15. Barnabas was everything that Scripture denotes a peacemaker to be. He was a risk taker. He was willing to get his hands into messy situations. He put his own reputation on the line to go and to get a man who at one time was authorized to murder and imprison Christians. He protected a man who had a testimony, but no one believed it. He is the reason that Saul of Tarsus became the Apostle Paul. Who is it that was a peacemaker in your life? Who was it that came to you in your brokenness where something was missing? And something was was out of place. Who was the person that brought to you the message of Jesus Christ? Who was the person that believed in your conversion when everybody else said, no, it's just an emotional decision? Who's the one who stood up for you in council meetings when everyone said, we don't want to include him? And you said, no, if you don't include him, you don't include me. Who is the one that stood in the gap and believed the best when everyone was believing the worst about you? Do you have that person? Could be a parent, an aunt, an uncle, could be a coach, could be a teacher, could be a sibling, it could be a minister, could be a co-worker. I think all of us have had multiple peacemakers come into our life. They did for us what we could never ask them to do. We were never willing to ask them to do, but they did it. They looked beyond our foolishness and our folly and our sinfulness, and they saw our brokenness. And they were willing to invest in us. Not every investment has a positive return. But as much as lies within us. We should do everything that we can to invest. In people that Jesus fully invested in. No matter if they're polished or perfect. Or they look pretty. That's not the criteria for a peacemaker. Peacemakers are not looking for people that have it all together, peacemakers are looking for those that need to get it all together. And if you don't believe you fall into that category, then you're really misunderstand the whole purpose for Jesus coming. Jesus came to seek and save those that are lost. He went the second mile. He stood in the gap. He is the greatest example Of a peacemaker and we're going to talk about that now for a few minutes in every aspect of who Jesus is how he lived died and was resurrected all of it shouts about someone who was committed to working with his heavenly father to produce a peace that passes understanding and one that protects and keeps our hearts and minds. It was his peace he was bringing into the world. Before he arrived, it was heralded. He was the prince of peace. Upon his arrival, the angel shouted, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. To those that Jesus ministered to, he said, go in peace. Upon his departure in the night of uh, where he would be abandoned and betrayed, he said, peace I leave with you. Upon his resurrection, when he found his disciples huddled, huddled in fear, he said, peace to you. Jesus paid the ultimate price for peace. He faced the conflict. He did not avoid the obvious injustices of sin. He would not allow himself to accommodate the will of man above God's will. He made peace one way through the blood of His cross. It was sacrificial. He suffered. It was not an easy path. It was not an easy process. But look at what it produced. Us, many sons and daughters, multitudes throughout history have put their faith in Jesus Christ because he provided for us what we needed. Shalom. He was the peacemaker. And now he said, as my offspring, more than my children, as my mature children, as sons and daughters, I want you to have the most blessed life. I want you to be envied among all people groups of the earth. I want you to be happy and fortunate. I want you to experience the joy of being identified as someone who's been touched by me. And therefore, I'm asking you to do some of the most challenging things. I'm asking you to step in the middle of conflict and stop the pain stop those from going down a path that they're lost and help those that are willing to be helped to navigate themselves back to God. The method and the mantle of peace are given to us clearly in Scripture. The title of peacemaker sounds nice, but as I stated, it's messy, dirty, and risky. This is what it requires, I believe. I think it requires the heart of a child the mind of a scholar, and the hide of a rhinoceros. And don't forget the last part. (laughs) Because if you have two out of the three, you're doing okay. Not everyone appreciates someone who steps in the middle of a mess. The reason that is is because broken people don't like to be touched where they're broken. And people that have things missing don't like someone to touch an area of their life where they're missing something. There's a recoil effect that happens in those situations. That's why we have to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. It's the spirit in which we go that matters as much as that we go. All of those are factors. It all begins, the method, with us being at peace with God. I believe it goes from there to where we process all the people and all the places he's asking us to go in prayer we just marinated in prayer he gives us enough time to do that jesus says pray pray just don't go pray before you go and pray as you go that god would not lead you in temptation but deliver you from the evil one people that are peacemakers have have sat long enough that they're willing to go they understand they have to break the ice They have to be aware of where God is working and to be involved in the middle of his work. They are realistic in understanding that peace is not always initially achieved. Remember the word process? Sometimes there's the breaking of the ice. Sometimes it takes a while for the ice to melt. Someone to soften, to be receptive. This is where our presence In the process matters. You can't take it personally. You can't say well they didn't listen to me. So I'm writing them off. That's the wrong approach. To a long path and process. And they're also committed to being at peace in the process. No matter what's going on. They're not going to abandon the peace. That they have with God. They're not going to lose their peace. They're not going to let the enemy steal their peace. They're going to keep the peace that passes understanding in their life. So the mantle is ours to take up. And I want to remind you with God, it's possible to do. With men, eh, not so much. (laughs) With God, yeah. You and God are still a majority. You and God are still overcomers and more than conquerors. You and God are still victorious. You and God always triumph. But you always don't see things in your timeline or in the way that you formulated in your mind that it should take place. But I'm not letting go of the peace that passes understanding. I'm going to have. I'm going to guard my heart. I'm going to protect it because it's going to allow me to stay pure in the process. Not perfect, but I can be pure. I give me, you know, my intentions can be right. My motives can be right. And I just need God to grant unto me the wisdom of when and where things need to be talked about.